Welcome to Living Bread Radio Presents, a program designed to teach and evangelize about the Catholic faith through various speakers and presentations given throughout the area. Today's show features Father Nicholas Mancini, a priest of the Diocese of Youngstown, Ohio, and his series entitled Blessed John the 23rd, a biography of the man. And now, Father Nicholas Mancini. Welcome to our series on Blessed John the 23rd. I'm Father Nicholas Mancini, spiritual director for Living Bread Radio and pastor of St. Cyrilon Methodius and St. Stephen of Hungary in Youngstown, Ohio. As we begin this series on Blessed John the 23rd, we hope that we will give you some insights into this remarkable and loving Pope who became known throughout church history as great Pope John XXIII, the Pope of the Second Vatican Council. Blessed John XXIII was born Angelo Giuseppe Roncalli in Sotto il Monte, Italy, in the Diocese of Bergamo on the 25th of November, 1881. He was the fourth in a family of 14. The family worked as sharecroppers. It was a family in a sense that families of two brothers lived together, headed by the great uncle who oversaw the work. He had never married and whose wisdom guided the work and other businesses of the family. His great uncle was Angelo's godfather, and to him he always attributed his first and most fundamental religious education. The religious atmosphere of his family and the fervent life of the parish under the guidance of Father Francesco provided at that time Angelo with a training in the Christian way of life. He entered the Bergamo Seminary in 1892. Here he began the practice of making spiritual notes, which he continued in one form or another until his death, and which has been gathered into a journal known as the Journal of a Soul. Here he also began the deeply cherished practice of regular spiritual direction. In 1896, he was admitted to the secular Franciscan order by the spiritual director of the Bergamo Seminary, Father Luigi. He made a profession of its rule of life on May 23, 1897. From 1901 to 1905, he was a student at the Pontifical Roman Seminary. On August the 10th, 1904, he was ordained a priest in the Church of Santa Maria in Monte Santo in Rome's Piazza del Popolo. In 1905, he was appointed secretary to the new Bishop of Bergamo, Monsignor Redeschi, and he accompanied the Bishop in his pastoral visitations, 
and collaborated with him in many initiatives. A synod management of the diocesan bulletin, pilgrimages, and social works. In the seminary, he taught history, patrology, and apologetics. Angelo Rincali was profound and effective and a sought-after preacher and teacher. These were the years of his deepening spiritual encounter with two saints who were outstanding pastors, St. Charles Borromeo and St. Francis de Sales. They were years too deep of pastoral involvement and apprenticeship as he spent every day beside his bishop, Tereski. When the bishop died in 1914, Father Angelo continued to teach in the seminary and minister in various pastoral areas. When Italy went to war, In 1915, he was drafted as a sergeant in the medical corps and became a chaplain to wounded soldiers. When the war ended, he opened a student house for spiritual needs of young people. In 1919, he was made spiritual director of the seminary. But in 1921, he was called to service of the Holy See. Pope Benedict XV brought him to Rome to be the Italian president of the Society for the Propagation of the Faith. In 1925, Pius XI named him Apostolic Visitor in Bulgaria raising him to the episcopate for his episcopal motto he chose obedience and peace which became his guiding motto for the rest of his life on march 19 1925 he was ordained bishop and left for bulgaria He was granted the title Apostolic Delegate and remained in Bulgaria until 1935, visiting Catholic communities and establishing relationships of respect and esteem with other Christian communities. In the aftermath of the 1928 earthquake, he endured in silence, the misunderstandings and other difficulties of a ministry, of society, and thus refined his sense of trust and abandonment to Jesus crucified. In 1935, he was named Apostolic Delegate in Turkey and Greece. The Catholic Church was present in many ways, in the young Turkish Republic. His ministry among the Catholics was intense, and his respectful approach and dialogue with the worlds of orthodoxy and Islam became a future of his tenure. 
When the Second World War broke out, he was in Greece. He tried to get news from the prisoners of war to their families and assisted many Jews to escape by ensuing transit visas from the Apostolic Delegation. In December of 1944, Pope Pius XII appointed him Nuzio in France. During the last months of the war and the beginning of peace, he aided prisoners of war and helped them to normalize the ecclesiastical organization of France. He visited the great shrines of France and participated in popular feasts and in important religious celebrations. He was attentive, prudent, and a positive observer of the new pastoral incentives of the bishops and the clergy of France. His approach was always characterized by a striving for gospel simplicity, even amid the most complex diplomatic questions. The sincere piety of his interior life found expression each day in prolonged periods of prayer and meditation. In 1953, he was created a cardinal and sent to Venice as patriarch. He was filled with joy at the prospect of ending his days in the direct care of souls as he had always desired since becoming a priest. He was a wise and enterprising pastor, following the model pastors he had always venerated and walking in the footsteps of their ministry. He also followed the example of St. Lawrence, Justani, the first patriarch of Venice. As he advanced in years, his trust in the Lord grew in the midst of energetic, enterprising, and joyful pastoral labors. While he was out one day in Venice, he went to see the tomb maker who was preparing his tomb and the announcement came by his secretary that the Holy Father, Pope Pius XII, had died. Bishop Rincali and his entourage left for Rome, as now he would sit in the conclave to elect a new pope. The Archbishop Cardinal began now a journey that would change his life. On October the 28th, 1958, in the conclave, after 11 ballots, he was elected Pope. Much to his surprise, he began a new beginning 
that would change the course of church history. His pontificate began as he was asked, What name do you take? My name shall be John, like the Baptist, like the church where I was baptized, and like the name of my father. His pontificate, which lasted less than five years, presented him to the entire world as an authentic image of the Good Shepherd. Meek and gentle, Pope John XXIII was enterprising and courageous, simple and active. He carried out the Christian duties of the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, visiting the imprisoned and the sick, welcoming those of every nation and faith, and bestowing on all his people a fatherly, loving care. He was the first pope to go outside of the Vatican, and much to the surprise of the Secretary of State, this pope wanted to be among the people. He wanted to be out amongst his flock, and he began a mission of visitations, a journey to visit his people. He visited children in the hospital during Christmas, giving them gifts and showing them the tenderness of a father's love, the Good Shepherd, Jesus the Christ. One little child who was ill saw the Holy Father coming. Her name was Stella. And everyone was greeting the Holy Father. Long live the Pope. Long live the Pope. And much to the surprise of the sister in charge of the ward, little Stella said, Long live Santa Claus. Long live Santa Claus. To which Pope John the Twenty-Third responded, Sister, that's all right. Little Stella, I guess I do look like Santa Claus in my red cape. All I need is the beard. And he gave her a teddy bear, and she kissed him and caressed him. This was the image that John portrayed in his love for children. Also, he visited the prison, and he told them how much he loved them. As the prisoners listened to the warm message of faith that this good Pope gave them, a sign of hope, of inspiration, a sign of love and tenderness and forgiveness, as he reminded them how Dismas turned to Jesus, and Jesus forgave him and said, This day you shall be with me in paradise. Yes, his fatherly care was the expression of love and tenderness. Living the Beatitudes and proclaiming that message of which Jesus said, 
When I was sick, you visited me, imprisoned, and you came to see me. Yes, Pope John the Twenty-Third believed that going out and reaching the people, as did Jesus, would bring the message of the gospel alive in so many different ways. This was his mission of hope. This is what Pope John the Twenty-Third loved to do. He loved to be among the people. He was criticized for this by some in the Vatican, but he did not let that bother him. He continued to carry out the pastoral mission, the pastoral mission of the church in a spiritual and dynamic way. His social ministerium was one in which he looked at the social complexity of people and how they live and work, trying to tend to their needs. He convoked the Roman Synod and established a commission for the revision of the Code of Canon Law. And he summoned the Second Vatican Council. He was present as bishop in his Diocese of Rome through his visitation of the parishes, especially those in the new suburbs. The faithful saw him a reflection of goodness of God and called him the good Pope. He was sustained by a profound spirit of prayer. He launched an extensive renewal of the church while radiating the peace of one who always trusted in the Lord. His great love for the church and for people saw this good Pope begin bringing in fresh air and new light into the church. In his writings, Pope John Twenty-Third began a series of encyclicals, one which addressed and entitled to the chair of Peter on truth, unity, and peace in a spirit of charity, which he wrote in June of 1959. Another one from the beginning of our priesthood in which he looks at St. John Vianney, the model of parish priests. He says, priests should follow the example of this good, holy man, St. John Vianney, who gives us the expression of love in priesthood. Another one of his encyclicals with joyful recollection, which he wrote in September of 1959, on the rosary, prayer for the church, missions, and international and social problems, saw him address a multitude of problems 
that were happening during that time of our history. And probably one work we are familiar with, Mother and Teacher, Mater et Magistra, the great encyclical on Christianity and social progress, which he wrote in May of 1961. And God's eternal wisdom on commemorating the 15th centennial of the death of Pope St. Leo I. One other encyclical that stood out as a hallmark for John the Twenty-Third, was the encyclical Penance for Sin on the need for the practice of interior and exterior penance. This he describes as one of the great spiritual assets of man, that interior and exterior penance that we should do that we should have and that we should give. As Jesus offered himself up on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, can we now do penance in our own lives? And on April the 11th, 1963, the great encyclical Pachem in Teres, Peace on Earth, on establishing universal peace in truth, justice, and liberty. These great encyclicals of Pope John XXIII gives us an inspiration of joyful reflection into the hope and the love of the great spiritual benefits that Pope John XXIII gives us, not only by example, but by deed. A leadership formula and manual that he developed was one in which Pope John XXIII lived. He gave us a principle of faith, of dramatic love for people, teaching us how this plain, simple fact of life was what Jesus was all about. Jesus, who is the essence of love, who is the essence of hope and great desire for man. John articulated many points of his wisdom to know them is to have the possibility of acting on them. In his spiritual journey that he describes in his Journal of a Soul, he tells us that leadership, guidance, love, peace, obedience is what we must do if we are to understand the will of God in our own lives. One can assess the effectiveness of John XXIII's leadership by reviewing the present state of the Catholic Church 
and Catholicism in relation to his three goals, truth, unity, and peace. Without a doubt, Roman Catholicism has changed since 1958 along the broad lines intended by Pope John XXIII. With regard to truth, the dominance of a scholastic and legalistic way of thinking about and within the church has been broken. The church is coming to terms, he says, with society, with modernism. We have to address these claims. We have to look at them. With regard to unity, the church has abandoned its one time aloofness toward other Christians and has entered into respectful dialogue with them on an organized basis in actively collaborating with other churches in many different ways. With regard to peace, the church has truly become global, strengthening its presence, showing the world the spirit of peace, especially in formerly communist and colonial nations, and playing an active role in pressing for peace and justice throughout the world. Pope John Third leads us into this dynamic vision of church, of being, of the people of God. His great strategies and planning, his dynamic ways, give us the inspiration of the beauty of our faith. As next time, we will examine and look at the opening speech that he gave when he convened the Second Vatican Council. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you in his loving care. We hope that you've enjoyed this production of Living Bread Radio Presents. For a copy of this program on Compact Disc, call 330-966-2903 or send an email to orders at livingbreadradio.com and reference the program broadcast date. This has been a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. Join us again next week at the same time for more Living Bread Radio Presents.